We're continuing our mini-series, Hopeful Anticipation. And today, my text comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25 to 31. Actually, the context is the entire chapter. But the whole the context points to the idea of a renewing our, our strength when you get weary. And I thought, as, as we are in the, this year end, and the year end gives us a time, opportune time, it is a season to reflect coming season, to evaluate, to meditate, and to reflect. And this passage points to the wise words that we will uh, never get to know in our own strength and in our own wisdom. The context speaks to the weary people of Israel. So uh, it will help us. To how do we? What do we? What to do when we are feeling weary? When we need renewal of our strength? But I thought it will help us to, to pay more diligent attentiveness to the text if we really think about what not to do first. So here's at least four of them. First one, what not to do when we are weary? First one is don't quit. An overwhelming temptation in weariness is to quit. Quit what? Quit believing, quit hoping, quit doing good, quit obeying God's words, and quit fighting the good fight of faith. And I might as well uh, add, quit mundane, mundane, routine things of our responsibilities. Have a mom and dad. I, I don't care what you eat. Go, go find some food. I've done that actually, literally. <laughs> Second thing is well meaning, but still misguided, trying harder. Try harder as the concept, the behind the concept is denying. Denying it's just hurting you big time. It is. You don't have energy to go on, but fake it. Deny it and try harder. It's one of those things that we, this time, I will bear the fruit. This time, I will get uh, oozing renewal of energy. Relying on our own human strength, this is more of a stubborn self-will rather than faithful obedience. Nothing wrong with continually persisting, persevering, enduring, and doing good things. I'm not talking about that. Trying harder is, I could make things happen. No, human strength is very limited in many ways. Number three, what not to do is blame 
and wine. Weariness certainly breeds cynicism. What good is it? That attitude? Uh, who cares? Kind of thing. That always leads to blaming. It's my wife's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my, you name it. And wine. And wine. That grumbling is habitual. It just continually comes out unless we watch out. And fourth and lastly, it is indulging yourself. I, w- I was thinking about maybe I should put overindulging myself. Um, yeah, there is a notion that, that sometimes we need to, to self-care. This is not about self-care. This is actually kesera sera attitude. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So tonight or today, I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing and watching TV six hours or seven hours. And do you feel rested? No. You feel weary and you feel unrested and uneasy. You don't feel better afterwards. Oh, you could name this anything that you, uh, not just a, the laziness, but doing hobby, doing uh, playing game, video games, or you know, going off or doing on your, you know, doing your own things in the name of taking a break, taking a break or walking away from God and saying, "I've had it, God. I, I'll do whatever I want to do." You know, excessive longer way. Men and women of God, just pay attention to these four things. So easy to fall into it. How do I know it so well? Because I've done it before. So in this new, as we anticipate the new year, let's be careful and cautious First of all, stay away from, become self-aware about these tendencies. So now we want to find some wisdom and discretion, prudent ways from the scripture. And Isaiah 40 is an exceptional chapter, but we need some context uh, to understand its meaning rather than make the meaning whatever we want to say. So Isaiah chapter 1 through 33, and prophet Isaiah's main theme is God's judgment and wrath. Upcoming God's punishment, discipline. Why? Because Israelites were doing idol worshiping, injustice in the name of their own good. So all those things, Isaiah is warning them, rebuking them, reminding of God's wrath. There's a sudden turn in chapter 40. In chapter 40, if you look at your Bible, the verse 1 starts with, 
the famous Handel's Messiah's shift also too. Comfort. As Handel's Messiah will be King James Version. So the comfort e or comfort e says the, the Lord of hosts. Comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Israel. He says. The theme changes. It is grace. God's merciful plan of sending Messiah. Hope. And 53, the suffering Messiah comes out. The picture of Jesus dying on the cross is so vividly prophesied. But you know what that context looks like. 39 and chapter 40 has about 100 years, a century gap. In other words, Israelites will go to exile in Babylon and they will return. But in that exile, people are weary and lost. Hope and disillusionment happens. And that's the context God brings comfort. And the promises of renewing strength. So in that context, let's ask the same question again. What do we do when we feel weary? What to do to renew our strength? We're going to draw about four principles out of that and and follow with me, and if you open your Bible, keep your Bible open, and just read through the context of chapter 40, the entire chapter, back and forth. But we're going to focus on starting with verse 25. Here's the first one. To renew your strength, get a right vision of God amidst the man-centered world. Verse 25 says, To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, meaning the stars. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. First thing that we need to do is we need to realize and become self-aware of our man-centered view of God has so much of limitation and shortcomings and we project our frailty and evil wickedness to him so he doesn't look much different from us. In weariness, when you are not doing well spiritually, when you are going through trials, when you are going through suffering, when you become doubtful, one of the most important thing is, do I have right vision of God? And otherwise, you're going to be lost. We are going to be lost in that. The right vision of God comes from Scripture, obviously. But if you don't look to the Scripture, what happens is our own projection of human frailty on God, it makes God so small. He can't handle it. 
oh, we, we actually feel like we are greater and kinder and more merciful than God. And we criticize, judge God. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. And even, do you remember that uh, very famous rabbi? Um, it went blank in my mind. Um, when he wrote the book, about pain, he basically says, when God, when, when bad things happen to good people, that's the famous book. Now, you know, he's a Robert, uh, the Rab, Rabbi Hirsch, what's his name? Anybody remember? Anyway, it doesn't, it's not that important. I think it's a, during the 80s, he, his book was so popular. His conclusion is, when bad things happen to good people, I'm oversimplifying. Forgive him. Forgive God. And get on with your life. Krusner. Thank you. Thank you. Basically, his view of God is God who means so well, and he is loving. He doesn't want to take away the goodness of him. And rather, sometimes he forgets things. Oops, oops. That's oops that happened. I dropped hot coffee on your little baby. You know? God's, us shocks. So a lot of times when we are mad at God, that's the caricature of God we created from our own imagination and mind. Look at the verses here. God is saying, to whom then will you compare me? Number one, I am not comparable. There is none like me. Uniqueness of God is God alone is different. Absolutely different from me and from you. God is not like me. That's what it means to be holy, transcendent, otherworldly. So we will never fully understand some of the attributes of God, just like wrath of God. Because we don't like our own anger. What does it look like? We will never know clearly. Burning anger with no sin in it. Jealousy of God also too. The right vision of God is a vision of big God. How big is your God? It, depending on how weary you are, how, how severe your trial is. And if your God is small, your faith will not sustain you. But if you look into the scripture, God is big, bigger than your problem, bigger than your understanding. And when God is good, he's absolutely beyond my imagination that he is so good. 
when God is powerful, not just powerful in my own imagination, beyond any limitations, when God knows God doesn't have a new thought, oh, I realize that's a human thing. God, from eternity to eternity, he knows it all. The mystery of God. When you think about what's happening doesn't make sense. But God knows what he's doing. And to us, with our limited attention, limited capability of understanding, it might not make sense. To try to make sense in every trials and every weariness is cheapened the mystery of God. Actually, people get hurt when you explain everything away. So why does suffering exist? Why does evil exist? Well-meaning Christians, especially pastors, trying to explain things away. You're using Romans 8.23, 8.28 kind of verses. But at the bottom line, we could suspect some of the things that God might be doing. Bottom line is, why is my brother going through this brain cancer in life and the right side um, is happily paralyzed with a speech impediment that he, has, he can't even do any kind of ministry speaking and writing? I don't know. That's an honest answer. The cheap answer will be, because God loves him, God's going, to, God's going to use him more powerfully after this. He might not recover fully from that. We're praying and asking God's miraculous mercy and healing that he will be able to speak again, that he will be able to write again. But it might not. But what I do know, that, I, that God is good. That God knows what I do not know. Some of you heard my heart cry, and if you've seen my tears, one spot, that soft spot in my heart these days, even though everything might be going well, when I think about my brother, I could be depressed, just like that. But here's the, the effect of great God, the sovereign God in my brother's life. Whenever I visit and go to Diamond Bar, thinking that I would comfort him, and I, I buy, in my, my uh, love language is food, so I always buy some food, and, you know, what do you want to eat? He, he likes... Uh, Persian food, and and I get and you know all these things and trying to encourage him and, and comfort him. Every time when I leave that house, I feel comforted by seeing the stability of his heart, and along, along with my sister-in-law also too. I see peace, God's shalom. 
Number two, before number two, maybe this should be our prayer. One of the famous hymn, 18th century hymn writer, Dallin Forgale, wrote these words, and I, I think it was an old Irish language, and uh, someone translated into to English. But it goes like this, Be thou my vision, O Lord, my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou, may, thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. It's the shift. In order to really have a big vision of God and begin to really believe sovereignty of God, it's a main shift, major shift to look at the entire world differently. And I am not in the center anymore. That God, you be, you be my vision, my light. By day and night. Number two. To renew your strength. Acknowledge who God is. Renouncing your stubborn ways. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is, is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. A continuation of right vision of God, correcting the visions that is skewed because of human projections, right? But I think that complaint or that whining is something that we do because this is ESV, so more literal. So I looked up message translation, very loose paraphrase. Eugene Peterson doesn't disappoint me again. He writes, verse 27, he translates it this way. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying... God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Do we say that in our heart? Maybe not verbalize sometimes when we are weary. How I pray. Does he even care? Not only having the right vision of God is important, but acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in our ways. In what ways? That he is the everlasting God. Everything will pass away. This will all pass. But God doesn't pass. God lasts forever and endeavor. He's an eternal everlasting God. And he is the uncreated being. I'm using that phrase intentionally. He is the creator. He, he exists self-sufficiently. 
which all points to us, he's not like me. I am a created being. I have a limit in my power. God doesn't have a limit in his power. And recognizing his God's faithfulness, who he is in our lives, we begin with that. So in this year end, let's acknowledge God in all arenas of our need. That he becomes our center in our home life, in our work life, in our leisure life, in our thought life, in our love life, marital life, in our family life, in our church life. That God has surrendered seat of our center. Some of you are saying, oh, does, does, do we have to really do that? Or is it set aside for the spiritually elite people? I don't want to be spiritually elite. I want to be mediocre, but enjoy my thing. Here, here's the thing. I'm going ahead a little bit. Even the youth will grow weary. Even the people who are full of energy, Olympians and and skilled athletics like Michael Jordan will wither away. Men are like grass. Human beings are like grass in the field. In other words, if I stay on my own strength and stubbornness, there's so much of limitation. I will get drowned in my own weariness and disillusionment one day. So which leads to number three, to renew your strength, to trust in God's promises for renewal with all your heart. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might to him who has no might he increases strength jumping to verse 31 they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not not faint so notice the, the uh, acknowledging God and who he is in our lives begins this simple belief and trust. I believe God's faithful promises. I believe that God's promises are trustworthy. And what are the promises? At least four. That God said God will give us power and give us, increase our strength when we are weak and to soar like eagles and to not be weary or faint when we walk or run. Whether we fly like a young man and in our spirit and 
exuding uh, new passion for joy and, and dreams and as if we feel like we could conquer the world with the dreams of, for God, God will give us. When we do, we need to put hard work in doing good, whatever that might be, in ministry, in, in raising our kids, in serving, praying for others. When we run, we will not be weary because of his renewal, daily renewal. When we walk with the wisdom, counsel others and care for others and, and coach others and mentor others, we will not faint. And this year end, Let's simply believe God's faithful promises. And to believe that, we need to put our weight in it, entire weight. Otherwise, we become distracted other false, counterfeit, empty promises. If you do this, if, buy a, if you buy a new sports car, it will give you so much energy. You renew your strength uh, for maybe a few weeks. You buy a new dress. You start a new hobby, new, new home. You get a raise and you get, you get promoted at work. All that is temporary, isn't it? So number... Four point is is actually absolutely needed, but we need to be reminded by this promise is not just for the people who are just exuding with strength and God will make them more stronger, but for the weak, for those of you who really feel like I don't have any faith these days. I feel so disillusioned. I feel far away from God. I don't think God will. Renew my heart again. I feel a little hopeless, to be honest. Chapter 40, right? Two chapters ahead and going, God mentions about Christ, the coming Messiah, and this heart of God is shown, Isaiah 42, verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break, a faintly burning wick, he will not quench. And to the Israelites, he's saying that. You think you're all done? I'm not done with you. I will not break the bruised wig. I will not blow out the faintly dying flames. There is one thing that we have to do. It is grace, but we need to respond to God's promise this way, which is number four point. To renew your strength, wait for the Lord patiently. We're going back to chapter, the verse 30 and, and reading it again. This time the whole thing. Even youth 
shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So wait for the Lord. What does wait for the Lord look like? The believing and trusting something is momentary. That we could believe that. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, it's a rhetorical question. How many of you really believe God's faith promises are faithful? Then we could all say, yes, I believe. But what if when you feel disillusioned? When your life is hard? When your marriage is you know, really rocky? When children's are, your children are not doing well at school? Someone's sick in your room, in your house, in your family. It means wait to wait for the Lord means putting all our eggs in that sovereign care for us. It means to keep believing without disillusionment, without losing hope. It means renouncing our quick fixes and replacing that in, in the place of God. How do you wait for the Lord? What can we do to wait for the Lord? Psalm 62 gives us some idea, right? Um, so many of you are very familiar with NIV version or ESV, the more literal translation first. My soul waits in silence for God alone. It's a literal translation, still readable. If we put it in an you know, original text, it will look like God alone, I wait only. Like that. But NIV puts a little bit more of a, our modern understanding of in, the dynamic interpretation, translation. NIV says, same verse, my soul finds rest in God alone. That's right. Sometimes when you are stuck in four or five or five freeway, you don't have a choice, but you have to wait. But there are two different kinds of waiting. You're dying. You feel like, I, I just literally felt like that sometimes when I'm late, especially when I'm officiating wedding. Like, there's a, oh, I, could, I, I wish I could fly. Anybody who is trying to cut in, I have blood boiling up all the way up here. And my finger is a little bit, Stiffen. I try not to do anything, right? But that's waiting too, right? But that's different kinds of waiting. You surrender, you give up. 
and you enjoy that time. Not because you don't have to rush, but because there's nothing you can do and you're putting your trust in God. And that waiting is finding rest. To illustrate what waiting looks like, this is typically well-meaning many of us, including me, could do. Lord, I trust you and these promises, then you're going to give me strength to go on, persevere, and I'll be a good pastor, I'll be a good dad, and I'll care for my brother that's coming here, 2015, I carry the burden, but I believe your promises. Amen. And next day, the determination fades away. More annoyance and troubles come to my heart. And then what happens is I become disillusioned about my own determination instead of continually clinging to God for hope. During the course of the day, I notice it, and I tell myself, didn't you make up your mind that you're going to trust God no matter what happens? Trust God. Okay, okay, that's well-meaning also too. But for us to really wait for the Lord, we need to create that space before God. I'm not merely talking about quiet time. I'm talking about maybe before you go to sleep, maybe when you get up early in the morning, sit before God and wait. God, I need you. My heart is hurting and I need to hear your word. Would you speak to me? So when I do that, actually, even past few days, uh, on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Kate and I snuck out. Well, our kids are old enough. Don't worry, okay? <laughs> 15, 13, 11, and 9. They were still sleeping. 6, 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. Let's go to Starbucks. Spend time with God. You know why, why we want to do that? We have past experience of God speaking to us. And then nothing changed. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. And God is tapping on my shoulder. Paul, I, hadn't, I haven't forgotten about you. And whenever that moment happens, when I come home, there is a joy, spiritual energy that carries me through. Brothers and sisters, waiting for God, oftentimes involving uh, creating space to pray, crying out, uh, clinging to God. Sometimes that waiting, because you are merely waiting, being actively passive, not saying so much things, but waiting God's comfort. And here's, here's my secret. Sometimes I ask, God never disappoints me on this one. While my, when I'm demanding, God doesn't answer. God says no. 
But this one, he never disappoints me. I sit there and say, God, I need your comfort. Do you have any comfort for me? I'm going to sit here until you give me comfort. He will give us, he will give me something that I hold on to. So 28th of December, 2014. So we have a few days left. I know many of you take times off from work. Would you want to set aside? Go to your favorite place. It might not be a coffee house. For some of you, it's a little park. Or some of you, it could be just backyard in your, in your house. A little corner, warm place in your, in your own home. But sit there long enough to wait. To put your, all your eggs in that. And speaking of that, I want to share, in closing, two things. One is John Piper's quote, which helps us to pointing some practical things. And I want to challenge as we close. Piper's quote first. He writes, To wait on God means to pause and soberly consider our own inadequacy and the Lord's all-sufficiency and to seek counsel and help from the Lord and to hope in Him. The folly of not waiting for God is that we forfeit the blessing of having God work for us. The evil of not waiting on God is that we oppose God's will to exalt himself in mercy. He aims to exalt himself by working for those who wait for him. Prayer is the essential activity of waiting for God, acknowledging our helplessness and his power, calling upon him for help, seeking his counsel. Since his purpose in the world is to be exalted for his mercy, it is evident why prayer is so often commanded by God. Prayer is the antidote for the disease of self-confidence, which opposes God's goal of getting glory by working for those who wait for him. Now here's my challenge. Each year, Crossway has a tradition to begin the new year with a solitude and silence day. I, I know some of your difficulties. Very active people. How do I sit for three straight hours? I feel not only unproductive, I feel lost in the silence. Oh, not for me. Maybe I'll just do more serving and praising. And it makes sense. But in light of this waiting for God, how about this idea is that beginning of the year, instead of doing things and asking for God's uh, permission or approval or blessing on your initiative, why do we go to God? Why don't we go to God and wait for His guidance? Wait for Him to speak. Point the direction in your life for 2015. To give you comfort. 
to reassure you his sovereign care, providence of loving God to those who believe in him, those who are in Christ Jesus. All by grace. There are two dates, January 10th and January 17th. Why two dates? You get to go to only one. But most of our, our, our church members have a young family with kids. So you could take turn to your wife, with your wife and with your husband. Um, and the encouraging thing is, I heard Northeast men decide to do, be, become radical. They're going to first men's retreat on their own to somewhere in the lake or airhead. And I heard, I hope that really ha- follows through. On Saturday morning, they want to set aside their own South and Silence Day up in the Big Bear uh, Lake Arrowhead sometime. I'm grateful for that sign of maturity you know, among our brothers. But for the rest of us, what does it look like for you to wait on the Lord? Not a wishful thinking only, but practicing with our body. Saying no to our laziness, our reluctance to get out there and wait until God meets with us. Then we will see, in spite of our unchanged circumstances, renew strength. And as a whole church, we belong to God. I pray for renewed strength and zestful passion for the Lord for the coming year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy, for these trustworthy promises, and thank you for your Thank you for your word. We do pray that you will teach us to wait for you. Wait on the Lord in our year end and the beginning of the year. And I pray for a breakthrough in many of us in our walk with you. In our ways of dealing with problems and troubles and suffering and pain and trials. May you be glorified as you supply the renewing strength for us in your mercy. Thank you so much for your grace. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.